0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network as a part of Fans First Sports Network. It is not a Victory Monday. We are not giving away a Victory Monday t-shirt like we all thought we were going to. This sucks. Instead, we're selling Fire Canada shirts, and we'll get into all that stuff, not the shirts, the actual coach, here in a second. But welcome to this Winners and Losers podcast. We will dive headfirst into that. There's a lot of losers, not a lot of winners. This one's tough to unpack. In the first half, we always talk about news, the latest news coming from the game. We talk about injury updates, all that stuff, and then I give my thoughts. Now, this one is, like I said, it's kind of tough to swallow. This is a game where you're looking at you're like, man, this is just, I don't understand how it went this sideways, but it did. It went sideways in a hurry. Let's talk about the news first before I get too far ahead of myself. Injuries were the name of the game following the Steelers' 30-6 loss to the Houston Texans, none larger than Kenny Pickett with a knee injury. Now, as of this being recorded, they all we know is that uh, Kenny Pickett is slated to have an MRI when they return to Pittsburgh. That was from Jerry Dulek of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. So, most likely, the Steelers, hopefully, they were able to travel back from Houston to Pittsburgh safely, unlike their trip back from Las Vegas where they got detoured to Kansas City. He's going to have an MRI, and that'll tell them further about whether it's a significant knee injury, a minor knee injury, if he's just going to miss maybe the Ravens game and then be back after the bye week, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, if it's a ligament tear, he's probably done for the year. And then the Steelers are looking to scrap their way through with Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Let's not jump to conclusions, though. So that's the biggest injury. Now, Pat Fryermuth left with a hamstring injury, injury. And what is really interesting about some of these injuries is based on how the Steelers handle them. Let me give an example. If the Steelers have Pat Fryermuth, who leaves the game with a hamstring injury, and it says his return is questionable, that means that there is still a glimmer that he could possibly return. That's not breaking news. But it's one of those situations where if the injury in and of itself, where the player could potentially return, well then that's notable. That's very notable. And that means that it's also probably not as serious. Pat Fryermuth was ruled out almost immediately that means it's more of a significant hamstring injury, just like the one to Deontay Johnson in week one, which resulted in him landing on injured reserve. So Pat Fryermuth, just like Kenny Pickett, they were ruled out immediately. Now Dan Moore Jr., he left with a knee injury, left tackle, in case you don't know. He was questionable return, and then he was ruled out. I'm not sure about the significance of Dan Moore's injury. And then lastly, DeMarvin Liao, He left with a concussion and he was ruled out with a concussion. So he clear didn't clear protocol. He's in the protocol. When I say he didn't clear the protocol, there are sideline protocol they have to go through, certain tests, visual things that they have to pass. He did not pass those. Therefore he is now in the NFL's concussion protocol. So unfortunately, some big names are now, you know, big injury headlines, storylines, narratives heading into week five coming off of this ugly week four loss to the uh, Houston Texans. Before we go any further, I want to give kudos to Houston. They, boy, do they look like a pretty darn good team. And I'm not saying they're world beaters, that they're going to make the playoffs, but they'll compete in that AFC South. And D'Amico Ryan, who pulled off a you know a great draft, getting both Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, rookie play caller, what you saw in Houston Is exactly what Steeler fans would love to see in Pittsburgh, and that is a young quarterback and a coordinator that seem to be meshing. They agree with what they're doing. It just looks smooth. It looks rhythmic. It looks on time. It's balanced. Everything. That's what the Steelers want. A lot of people feel like they have a roster where they could actually have that happen. We haven't seen it yet. So, so let's start with Matt Canada. I I have to start with Matt Canada. So this is what. I said two years ago, I've, I've, I've talked about this multiple times. For those of you that listen to my podcast religiously and are part of the Ride or Die Crew, you have heard me say this before, that if the Steelers, after Ben Roethlisberger decided to retire and step away from the game, once he said, I'm done, the Steelers had a decision to make. They either go down the path with Matt Canada and say, okay, we're going to start drafting players that fit his scheme. Once they do that, you cannot just completely turn around without having more of a rebuild now on your plate. They went down that path. This is kind of one of those situations where you get what you pay for. We all had questions about Mad Canada. And even those of us that are staunch Steelers supporters, and I say the Steelers, not Mad Canada supporters, just Steelers supporters. They are staunch Pittsburgh Steelers fans, they are not going to ever turn their back on the team. They're not going to ever not pay attention. They're never not, never not going to listen to things like me talk about the team. Even we found like some positives to glean from. Well, the finish last year offensively, they, they looked better. They were winning games, seven and two, one four in a row down the stretch. Even though it didn't look Right. And even though we would watch other NFL games and we would watch teams move up and down the field with ease and it just looks so easy and my gosh, they're so wide open. How come the Steelers receivers are never that wide open? We still would always say, well, there are some things that we can point to and say, okay, it's a good decision to keep him because we support the team. That's what those staunch supporters do. They support the team. But now you get to the point where like the Steelers have never scored 30 points in a win under Matt Canada if they ever even get to 30. And it just looks so discombobulated. And everything that was bad about the offense, even last year in the 7-2 finish, even last year in the four-game four, four game winning streak to, to win win out at the end of the season, even with all those things happening, my gosh, it became evident that there were also some really, really big issues at the same time. So this is what we have now. They went down that road. I said if they go down that road, you you, you just you don't know what you're going to get. Actually, we do know what you're going to get. People have asked me on social media, Jeff, are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. Why? Hey, it's like my what I say to my kids when they say something like, wow, like this is crazy. Like, did you expect to see this? Other? I say, hey, when you go to the carnival, you expect to see clowns. And anymore, when I turn on the Steelers and I watch their offense, that's what I expect to see. It's like I'm going to the carnival. Or one of my favorite slogans ever, you play stupid games, you expect to win stupid prizes. And that's exactly what the Steelers have on their hands now with a play caller who is, I'm going to try and put this nicely, subpar. He is not up to snuff and just doesn't seem like he's capable. Now, I get it. Dave Schofield started our post-game podcast with this exact same sentiment, which is you can't put it all in the coaches, and he's right. You cannot put it all in the coaches. However, you can't fire all the players. (laughs) You just can't do it. You cannot say, well, Offensive line, it just isn't working out the way we thought, so we're just going to cut ties with you. We'll see you later. We'll, who are you going to do? I don't know. We'll try to pick some guys up off the street and hopefully scrap something together because we can't get rid of the coach. No, at some point you got to get rid of the coach. And we'll talk about Matt Canada more in detail in the second half of this podcast. But when it comes to the offense, I'm not shocked. Anymore, I'm not shocked. This is kind of what we have come to expect. You have an offense, and and think back to last year too. While I say this, while I describe the Steelers' offense, think back to last year—the seven and two finish, four four games in a row, to finish it out. You have an offense that looks so sluggish, so off. They don't have no rhythm, and then they just they get a big play, boom, boom, and they score some points and they find a way to win. Sound familiar? Like that's exactly what the offense is right now. It's a whole bunch of crap, nothingness, and then boom, boom, a couple big plays, and now everyone has hope again. That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable in the National Football League. So, no, I'm not surprised. Do I think something's going to happen? I don't know. We'll talk about that. You know, I'll tell you what, I'll tease this now before I go and talk about something else before we get to the break. On Wednesday, I'm going to be addressing what accountability looks like with the Steelers. It's a big term right now, you know? They need to hold them accountable. Who's going to be held accountable? Get them, hold them accountable. All this stuff, like what does that even look like? What is accountability? What does that look like? We'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. But you know the funny thing is, is we do this post game show. Myself, Brian Davis, and Dave Schofield. We had over seven hundred people at one point chiming in. We've got people giving their hard earned money to the program so that they can actually get their question or comment read or answered on live on the air. And everyone is just railing on Matt Canada. I get it. I just did it myself. But the one thing I can't stop thinking about is what about Terrell Austin? Where, where is the, the pitchforks and torches towards him? Are they storming the, the headquarters for that guy? And so I asked this question to Dave and Brian in the postgame show. I said, guys, what about Terrell Austin? He doesn't get nearly the vitriol from the fan base. He doesn't nearly get the same amount of hatred and angst from the fans. Like, what, what's, what's going on? They said, well, I think a lot of people, they think that it's Mike Tomlin that's running the defense. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But if if Tomlin's running the show, and maybe that's why a lot of people really don't like Mike Tomlin, it's possible. But I just don't understand how Terrell Austin, he gets off the hook. He just kind of gets a pass. I don't understand it. I go back to before the season started, I had Tim Benz of uh, Trib Live on. And I kinda asked him about this and he's he kinda hem-hawed around about it and said, you know, how Austin does a good job and he does it, you know, very mismatching stuff like that. He didn't really get to the, the crux of the question that I had asked, but still this defense, if you take away Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, like what do you have? Especially with Cam Hayward out of the lineup. You've got three inside linebackers that just kind of can't find a home. you got Cole Holcomb, who's out there all the time. Landon Roberts played a lot in this game and got burnt a lot. They targeted him on the outside. We'll talk about the cornerbacks in the second half, the safeties. You You let Terrell Edmonds walk. You bring in DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal. Is that really working? Is Minka Fitzpatrick being utilized to his best ability? Look, I don't care who it is. I think we need to talk about the defense side, the defensive side of the ball too. The defensive coordinator should be a part of this discussion. If it's not good either, we can't just sit here and scream Matt Canada from the rooftops and think that somehow the entire team's going to be fixed. There are issues on both sides of the football. The Steelers' defense is leaking oil. They're on the field a ton, not saying that that's not the case. But at some point, on the defensive side of the ball – they have questions that need to be answered as well, and where's the anger towards him? At Tara Austin, Mike Tomlin gets plenty of anger. I'm not saying that, but still, this is crazy that we are here. Right? You know, we never, th- I never thought we would be in this spot, coming off a game against Houston in Week One against the 49ers. Like really, like that's crazy. That's a good team. We're watching them, shellac folks, all over up and down the field. They're undefeated. I I get it. There. You know, and I, I know that Patrick Peterson, he was uh, asked the question about after after the game, basically saying, like, hey, what did you think about their offense? He said it's San Francisco 2.0. Well, and the offensive play caller is from the San Francisco 49ers, and he brought the offense that they run there. there. So, I, again, I'm not creating excuses. I'm just saying it's just frustrating to see this happen. What else is frustrating is having to write a winners and losers column after a game like this. We're only two winners, I actually found two winners, I yeah, I can't believe I did, but I found two winners, and a whopping 10 losers, I'm gonna be honest, I probably could have had 20, but I decided to keep it to a time minimum, and so I went with 10, two winners, 10 losers, we got it in the second half, coming right back up, stay tuned, we'll be right back. Right, steward fans welcome back it is time for another winners and losers segment i always like the happy ones this is not a happy winners and losers segment we only have two winners i'm gonna start off with the first winner a lot of people might disagree but to me this is the only guy that showed heart on sunday in houston and that's naji harris he had 14 carries for 71 yards, led the team, a 5.1-yard average, didn't score a touchdown, had a 23-yard long. Also had one catch for 32 yards on two targets. Najee Harris was the offense. On a day where nothing went right, he might have been the only bright spot on offense of, hey, this went right, This they did this well. Najee Harris is a winner. And, you know, he deserves it. He deserves the praise. Do I love his body language all the time? No. Do I love sometimes the way he interacts with his teammates? No. But at the same time, when the guy goes out there and he's the only one, and I really, honest to goodness, mean this, he looks like the only one that could give a damn and is trying hard. And for someone that touches the ball as much as he does, that tells me something. I think that's a winning performance. If Najee Harris can build off of this, if the offensive line could ever get out of their own way, I think that this is a Najee Harris good player. He's on the winner's list. Next winner is Chris Boswell. He went two for two with field goals. They were both chip shots. That's it. He made both of his kicks. I didn't want just one winner. I found one other one in Chris Boswell. I'm sorry. That's it. Chris Boswell hasn't missed a field goal yet this year. I just knocked on wood for those that are superstitious. Let's get to the, the losers. Ten. Ten freaking losers. All right. Let's start with the offensive line, shall we? Steelers' offensive line surrendered three sacks six quarterback hits and seven tackles for losses. That's right. The Houston Texans were able to knife through the offensive line and c- collect seven tackles for losses on the day. That is a porous offensive line. And when everyone's going to point to, well, maybe James Daniels was out or Dan Moore left and Broderick Jones had to go in. whatever, you know, Nate Herbig goes in. I saw Isaac say Amalo and Mason Cole, two mainstays on the offensive line. They got absolutely pushed around and abused. And then you look at the tackles. Chuksa of struggled. And everyone's saying, like, oh, well, Dan Moore, he's better than Broderick Jones looked rough. Broderick Jones didn't look like he was up to snuff. I said this on the post-game show, and I'll say it here as well. If Broderick Jones and Dan Moore, as they are right now, are essentially the same, meaning they're both making mistakes, they're both having issues, then play the rookie. Unless Dan Moore is noticeably better play the rookie, give him an opportunity, and let's see what he could do. Other than that, the offensive line, they are losers. I have been really, really disappointed with this group, both in a pass protection standpoint and a run-blocking scheme. Even last year, there were times where they couldn't run-block, but they were at least keeping the pass rush off the quarterback. They can't do either right now. That's a problem. Next, let's go to the defensive line. The defensive line allowed 139 yards rushing. And I'll say this about Mike Tallman. After the game, they were asking a lot of questions about the defense. Coach, what do you think about the defense? Why was this happen? Why did that happen? He said, we couldn't stop the run. And he was 100% right. Whether it was Pierce, whether it was uh, the other running back, or even Stroud himself, they were having their way with the Steelers' defensive front. That patchwork offensive line, that had two tackles. That had one hadn't even started a game before. The other one was a backup. You got Kendrick Green at left guard. They ran over the Steelers. It created C.J. Stroud. It gave him situations where he could get really comfortable. He didn't have to worry about third and third and nines, third and tens, third and thirteens. There were no hardly any negative plays. The defensive line was awful, and I should actually change that to the defensive front because you got to put that bookends in there as well, the bookend outside linebackers. All right, let's go to pass rush. The Steelers' pass rush, again, talked about the tackles for the Houston Texans. This was a game we were like, oh, yeah, here we go. We are going to see them go out there, and they are going to get after C.J. Stroud. He's going to get hit early. He's going to get hit often. This is going to be fun. Light them up style. Zero sacks versus that backup Swiss cheese, are offensive line, and only six quarterback hits. Yeah, they might have hit him, but they didn't get to him, not even once. Not TJ Watt, not Alex Highsmith, no sacks against that line. Look, I get that sometimes you play teams, it's really tough to get to the quarterback. This is one of those teams, especially when they're running the ball effectively. However, man, to put up a goose egg against that line, that's how you land on the loser's list. Next, we got to go to the secondary, the cornerbacks. I said this on Twitter, and a lot of people agreed with me. I think the Steelers might have maybe one of the worst starting duos at cornerback in the league, cornerback. You know, whether it's Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson, it doesn't matter. It just really is frustrating to see the Steelers, and I don't know if it's a schematic thing, which, again, that's Terrell Lawson's bread and butter. He's supposed to be a guy that is – a predominantly defensive secondary coach. That's why he was brought into Pittsburgh, was to help Keith Butler with the secondary. They've been very below the line. Uh, Levi Wallace has been picked on repeatedly. And again, I'm going to go back to the same thing I said about Broderick Jones and Dan Moore. If Joey Porter Jr. going out there is, you know, we're talking about a second-round pick, 32nd overall, highly touted, very talented, maybe he's a little handsy. That was his... That was his report on him coming out of that Penn State anyways. Is it worse than what we're seeing with Levi Wallace? If the answer is no. So you want to keep him on the sideline, maybe because you don't want to hurt his confidence or whatever. If you feel as a coaching staff that Joey Porter, even now as a rookie, is at the same level as Levi Wallace, then what are you doing? I just don't understand that. Someone needs to make it make sense. It doesn't. The secondary, the cornerbacks, Patrick Peterson, although for the most part has done a pretty good job, he does look like an aging player. He looks like someone that would benefit more from playing in the slot or more of that rover role. It's just, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And when the pass rush doesn't get there, it is a big time problem. Let's go to the next loser, and that is the injuries. Mentioned the injuries at the top of the show. Horrible time for the, uh, injury bug to bite this team. When you're looking at Pat Fryermuth, who could end up on IR with his hamstring injury. You talk about Kenny Pickett's knee. Don't know the prognosis of that yet. Dan Moore's knee, DeMarvin Leal. They've got the Ravens coming to town this Sunday, whether they like it or not. And the Steelers are going to have to put together a patchwork group and try to find a way before they go into their buy and hopefully get some of these players back. We'll see. Next loser is Pat Fryermuth. Now, I, I don't want to bash on the guy when he gets hurt. But I have to be honest, I wrote as a stat line in the article, which you can check this article out around 9 30 tomorrow at steelcardnetwork.com. It doesn't look like he wants to be there. Now I'm talking about Pat Fryermuth. It doesn't look like he wants to be there. Now, I said this on Twitter, and I had a lot of people who were actually really hey, they didn't come at me or anything. They were just like, hey, you know, I've been hearing a lot of things from other reporters that the dude's really banged up. You got to go back to that chest injury he had in week one when he got sandwiched on that pass over the middle in the end zone. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why Pat fryer blocking has just been downright atrocious. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He looks like there's, there's a million things on this earth that he would rather do than to have to block someone. So maybe the guy is banged up. This is what I have to say. At that point, if the dude is banged up, why in the hell would Matt Canada, Mike Tomlin, whoever is helping with the game plan or approving this stuff, say, why are we putting Pat in these positions when he clearly is not healthy enough and well enough to be able to get the job done? So if we're going to assume that the coaching staff would be smart enough to say, okay, we can't do this anymore, then Pat's got to be able to go out and execute. But right now... Pat Fryermuth looks like a shell of himself. He looks like he's he looks like he's discouraged. He looks distraught. He looks frustrated. I get it, but he's got to go out there and do his job. Sometimes these plays are getting blown up a lot of times because he was just whiffing on blocks. Maybe he's banged up, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt right now. But if he comes back from injury and it continues, yikes! Like what are we talking about here? Like this is a guy. This is a guy who's supposed to be an anchor of the offense. He's supposed to be a a big part of this unit. He hasn't been that. He hasn't been that. But he's not alone. So get rid of that. All right, let's go to the next loser's Mike Tomlin. You know, Mike Tomlin, I, I can only speak from someone that watches every single press conference, both during the week, in season, off season, after games, all of it. I watch all of it. I am just so sick of the excuses. That is that is that is really it. I am so sick of hearing the excuses. If there's anything that I would want. I would want him to actually go up there and I'm not asking for him to throw people under the bus. That's just not going to happen and I don't want that to happen. That's going to lead to a bunch of craziness and that's just not how the Steelers do business. But I will say this. Mike Tomlin typically is a guy who will just dodge his way through everything. He's a wordsmith. He knows how to he knows how to word things so that people don't get that headline and they get, they don't get that story up. I'm just so sick and tired of of the damn excuses for poor play. Never once, you know, he'll say, yeah, that's on coaching. My gosh, at some point, something's got to be done instead of just going up there at the podium and just spouting nonsense. I'm sick of it. I know I'm not alone. I'm not saying I want him fired, but I'm just sick and tired of the excuses and the excuse making. All right, we have three left. Let's go to Mad Canada. He's next. I think that the Mad Canada, I talked about him a lot, obviously, in the first half of the show. And I don't want to just continue to beat a dead horse. I I can't stress enough how the fourth down play call that Kenny Pickett gets hurt just kind of epitomizes the Matt Canada experience. So it's fourth and short. The Steelers see the spot, and they call a timeout. Okay, I'm fine with that. It's still fourth and short. You go out there, and the first thing we see, shotgun formation. Now, I, don't, I can't speak for you listening to this, but I see this and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Why are they in the shotgun? Now you've completely eliminated the thought of a of a quarterback sneak or a run up the middle. They could do their delayed handoff. They do that a lot. Still, it took a large portion of what the Steelers could do and just completely removed it. And so then Matt, Matt Canada calls this play and Mike Tomlin hears it, has to hear it, and is like, all right, let's go with it. I mean, this was the play they came out of the timeout with. What are we doing? I th- this is unbelievably idiotic anymore. It, 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 I feel, find myself feeling like I'm banging my head against the wall, like, repeatedly. Just absolutely atrocious. The play calling, there's nothing else that can be say, said. That play, in and of itself, was, like, encapsulating all of the crap that we've had to deal with with Matt Canada into one play. And the quarterback gets hurt on that play. All right, the next loser is all-around coaching. My brother always says it. I'm going to say it here. You can't fire the team. And I'm not saying that anyone's going to be fired because I don't think anyone's going to get fired. But at some point, the coaches do have to get the players in position to make the plays. And I can only speak really offensively. They're not doing that. The offensive coaching staff is not putting their players in position to to actually execute plays. And I would even go as far as saying defensively when it comes to like the zone versus man schemes in the secondary, it's not happening there either. This isn't just a Mike Tomlin thing. It's a Mike Tomlin thing because it's all his coaches seem to be just literally just shooting themselves in the foot on a weekly basis. Everyone has to be better. The players, the coaches. This one, though, all-around coaching, absolutely loser. The last loser, the 10th and final loser, is tackling. Because for the second straight week, actually now it's actually a little bit better now that I think about it from last week. Go back two weeks ago against Cleveland. Go against San Francisco week one. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. The tackling was atrocious. It improved a little bit in Las Vegas, but boy did it creep up again. And here's the constant that comes from horrible tackling. They run the ball with ease. Yes, they did it again in Houston. You also get a lot of yards after the catch. You saw that again as it seems like every week there's a receiver, one receiver, who was just going off against the Steelers. Every week. Go back and look it up. It is uncanny, and it all stems from poor tackling. So there you have it. Two winners, 10 losers after the Steelers, 30-6, to complete meltdown, throttling, whatever you want to call it at the hands of the Houston Texans, of all teams, the Houston Texans. You know, when I, when I did the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on Friday, when I had, um, oh, gosh, James Roy on to talk. He was from our, the Fans First Sports Network, does the bullpen about the Houston Texans. Man, he predicted him to win. I'm like, this is this guy. You know, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way. I never thought this would happen, and I would have said, if you would have said, Jeff, you – What do you think if the Steelers go down to Houston, they get there from the opening kickoff, they get their doors blown off, they lose 30 to six. And even that score might not really be indicative of how lopsided the game was. You believe it? I'd say there's no way. There's no way. Well, there is a way and the Steelers found it. Unfortunately, that means that the Steelers, hey, it's, it's rough going. It's rough going, but I want you to know we're not going anywhere. This is actually really therapeutic for me. I hope it's therapeutic for you in a way. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. Make sure you're looking out for the uh, mailbag segment on Tuesday. It's going to be a really important uh, mailbag, I'm sure. You guys are going to have a lot of questions. So all you got to do is find me on Twitter at jhartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. Make sure you check out the post game show as well for some more instant reaction. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week, best that you can. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go see you.